Hey guys and gals, welcome to the first ever Empowering Forward Momentum live stream with an actual real live guest. Tonight I've got with me David Vargas, who I've been connected with for a while through Facebook. Never actually met in person, but we've chatted and become good internet friends. And he's got some really cool stuff going on. Um, tonight we're talking about understanding multiple streams of income. And I'm, I'm really interested in the approach that David has to this. He says that financial freedom starts with the awareness of money, our relationship and understanding of how it works and how we can learn to make it work for us. He is a father, Marine veteran. Um, he's come through PTSD, alcohol and drug abuse, and he's, he's overcome all of that by the grace of God. He's a coach, trainer and speaker with the John Maxwell team. What can't this guy do? <laughs> but he says he's just a normal guy who's always looking for an answer. So, David, I'm so glad that you joined us tonight. Super happy to have you here. Well, thanks for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to get to visit with you guys today. Yeah, yeah. Why don't you give us a little bit more of your background, go more in depth, kind of talk about a little of your journey from, you know, as a, as a young man, maybe teenager, sitting through high school, and kind of what led you to, to becoming who you are today? Well, all the, man, that's a, that's far. <laughs> That's we, don't, we don't have to go into the like the the whole long biography version if you don't right. want to, but like a, a little bit of the, the high points of your journey that that I'll, I'll develops to the man you are today. That's the twenty five years of stuff. Right. Okay, so right out of high school, I uh, I worked for a little while in odd jobs, trying to figure out kind of you know what am I supposed to be doing? I don't I have no clue. I'm a teenager. Um, it's this I've just kind of been thrown into life. And so worked for about a year and then I decided, well, what am I going to do? Join the military just like everybody else. Either you join the military or you go to college. Those are the only two real choices unless you've got a plan. And mm -hmm. I was a teenager that didn't have a plan. Joined the Marines. I joined the reserves because I didn't want to be gone for four years. I didn't want to actually go to war. Well, turns out the reserves were the first ones to go during Operation Enduring Freedom. I had a couple Black of months fire. left. A couple of months left on my contract. I'm like, I'm almost out. I'm glad nothing's happened. Uh, the, the towers hit, and then I got a call that's uh, maybe 15 minutes later from my sergeant said, be ready. Now, nothing happened for about two years till 03. Then we got called up, went to war. Or it sucked. It was hot. And there were bugs. Man, bugs. I still have a problem with bugs today. But past that, PTSD didn't kick in for a couple of years. And I didn't. I, I thought if I was going to get it, it was going to be right after. But it didn't kick in for a couple of years. There was a lot of, uh, I was very embarrassed about the PTSD. So I just drank it away, just like most Marines do. And so here a year or two ago, um, I go to get some life insurance because I feel like, you know, I'm, I'm old. I need to go ahead and make sure I get something in place so that, my family has something in case I you know in case I get called home and uh, the insurance people come back and they say, well, we can't give you insurance. Your liver's bad. Mm. I was like, what? 20 years of drinking alcohol. will do that. Why didn't I figure, why didn't I think of that? Right. Who knew? Yeah. Well, who knew? Smack in the <laughs> face. I've been drinking heavily for 20 years. Um, so that, that was a real wake up call. I had to start making some real changes, real, real changes or else I was going to be gone. So, you know, fast forward another year, this is about a year ago is when I started that journey. So getting sober really opened up a whole lot of doors for me once I got 
past the whole, you know, the, the reason I was drinking. I found out, I realized why I was drinking. It was to hide the PTSD. Went to the VA, actually got on some medicine that was going to help me, help me get off of, of uh, the alcohol, help me manage my PTSD. It is, it's not something that goes away, but if you work hard at it, it's something that you can manage so you can live mm-hmm. as normal as possible while still, you know, struggling with the things that we struggle with. And so in that journey, I had been working on different ways to make money and COVID hit. I lost my business. I had a karaoke DJ business for a long, long time. And that for about 15 years, karaoke DJ, the alcohol fit right in. So I was able to drink and, and make money at the same time. What, who doesn't dream of being able to do that? Right. (laughs) Right. It's every, every person's dream. (laughs) Yes. Every 21 year olds, sometimes 17 year olds. But, um, (laughs) So that I had that had been my business for the last 15 years. So when COVID hit, I was not able to work anywhere. So I had to figure out a new way to make money to support my family because thank God my wife was the woman that she is. And she said, I got you until you get back on your feet. And so when COVID hit, I started doing a lot of studying. I studied alternate streams of income, multiple streams of income, different types of investments. I studied all kinds of stuff. I remember you talking about, what was it? It's selling other people's courses, affiliate marketing. Yeah, affiliate marketing. There you go. I started studying some of that stuff. And so after having studied all of that, and then after having sobered up, I was able to connect all of that information that I had been filling my head with and finally started applying some of this stuff. And so over the this last year, I've started a couple of different businesses I've uh, learned how to build assets. I've learned, I've really learned how to manage money, how to control the way that I believe and think about money and shift the way that I spend and save money and then create assets so that that money keeps making money. Mm, Yeah, that's, that's the dream. Get get that passive income portfolio built up and, and have it, you know, have your money working for you. I don't know. Have you ever read the book? Uh, the richest man in Babylon. Yes, Og Mandino. Yeah. Fantastic book. Yeah. I love it. He he talks about making money your slave instead of you slaving for your money. You make money your slave so that it exactly. it makes more slaves for you and builds that up. Exactly. I want to go back just a little bit on your timeline. Um, you talked about having come through the military and coming out with PTSD. I don't necessarily want to go into that, but. I would ask you, and I've got some, the reason I ask is I've got some good friends that have also struggled with that, started drinking it away and have, have been able to overcome that to some extent. But for you, what was the key to being able to, you know, quit drinking to, to get away from the PTSD? What, what was key there for you? If I can ask that. Guys, I'm on the phone. <laughs> Right, gotta love families. Oh, you're good. I love, it. I love it. Every once in a while, I do gotta do the dad work. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it was the decision. I had to make a decision. I had to say, "This is this is my life in this moment, in this second. Do I want the rest of my life to look like the last five, ten years?" And mm-hmm. I said, no, I don't want that. I don't want to feel that way anymore. I don't want to be afraid anymore. I don't want to be ashamed of who I am and the way that I'm reacting to things anymore. 
And so it came down to a decision. And so once you have the decision made, the, the answer starts to come to you because you have taken accountability for the way that you've been. And you said, okay, I accept the person that I am right now in this moment. I accept all the stuff that I did in the past. What do we do now? So that opened up the door to have me stop beating myself up for being the way that I was because of the things that I had gone through. And I, I started to really think, okay, now what can I do? Not, not, not what can I not control, but what are the things that I can control? What actions can I start taking so mm. that the next five years are better than the last five years? Yeah. And just that decision is what stimulated me to start saying, okay, no more this, no more that, no more this. And it wasn't easy. There's, there was yeah. a real battle in my head for the first, I'd say, three months. And there was actual physical pain and nausea from giving up the alcohol. It was, it was pretty bad. I mean, think about it: twenty years alcohol. But that's that's, that's a long habit stacking to try to erase in, in just a short time. That's the thing is that that had become my normal. Half a liter of vodka every night had become my normal, and that was if I didn't have that, everything was out of whack. That was my mm-hmm. habit. That was the way that things were. And so having to break that was a struggle, but I knew that I had to make that change. Mm-hmm. Making the choice and then taking the step and sticking to it. That's, that's, that's awesome. So let's dive into the money thing a little bit, like understanding multiple streams of income, understanding the money, talk a little bit, like how, how do most people view money and how can we come to understand it? a little better how should we how should we view money well it's i don't want to say it should because i don't i don't like telling people what they should do or what they have to do for me i can only share my experience i can only yeah. share you know the the realization that i came to was that i had to if i if i was going to stop being poor i had to stop spending money bottom line I had to change the way that I saw money and I had to change the relationship that I had with money. And that started with understanding that you only have three or four basic needs. You have your house, the place where you live, you know, maybe a vehicle to get around, food and clothing. Those are the four basic needs. Everything Mm -hmm. else is secondary. Everything else. You don't, you can live without your phone. Even though 90% of the teenagers that I know would say you cannot. <laughs> uh, it's an extension of their arm at this point. I think if, if evolution is true, soon soon that thing's going to be stuck onto their hand. <laughs> yeah. So when, when, you put that, when you put that perspective in front of somebody, at least that's what I did for myself. I put that perspective as in, what do I absolutely need? These are the things that I absolutely need. And then everything else became secondary. And then I... Put in. I ranked everything that I spent my money on. If you actually do a budget, if you actually write out all of your spending, you can rank most important to least important based off of how it affects your life. You got to have a house. You got to have a way to get around to and from work. You got to have clothes. You got to have food. Now, mm-hmm. when it comes to like food and clothes, those things are shit. You can make shifts there to save money. And even if it's something small, like like taking your food to lunch, taking your food to to work instead of buying your lunch, you know, or or buying 
stocking up on snacks instead of going and grabbing something at the convenience store. Mm-hmm. Changes like that, you know, mapping out your route to work so that it's a little bit more efficient so that you save gas or only going to the store when you need to go to the store, maybe once or twice a week versus every time you're coming home from, from work, you know, making a side trip to HEB or whatever store or whatever grocery store that you've got to make, pick up little things, you know, yeah, cause you always grab an extra $5 worth of stuff. And that, yeah, that exactly. adds up like crazy. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I'm saying is that if you budget that way, if you budget that way, you actually see where your money's going instead of just swiping your card or, or, you know, throwing a couple of bucks of cash, depending on how you keep your money. Some people are more comfortable with cash. Some people are more comfortable with a, a card, but it's so easy to swipe. So, and then yeah. you've got the Apple pay stuff where you just put your phone up to the thing. It's ridiculous. <laughs> you don't ever see it. You don't see it going away. And then nowadays you can just order food from your phone. You can go, go to the website, the, the grocery store, type in all the stuff that you want and then hit send and they'll bring you your groceries. You know, there's no real, there's no struggle anymore. Yeah. You know, And so it's just too convenient to spend money. So if you really want to take control of it, you got to, you got to first know where it goes. And then once you, when you start to decide, okay, I, I could probably live without this little thing in the bottom. I could probably live without this other thing. And then you start to really whittle it down to what it is what it is that you really really need and then you find the money you find the money that you didn't think you had and that's money mm-hmm. that you're going to want to invest in books that's money that you're going to want to invest in courses in coaching if you can afford coaching those are going to be the best ways to go and then when you when you really get that guys <laughs> i'm on the phone quit yelling okay so the understanding the money part okay so once you get that whittled down you say okay now i do have a little bit of money now i do have a little bit of money i'm going to start learning start reading the books taking the courses going to the conferences whatever it is that that, whatever level of growth you're ready to make start making that that growth in whatever area you want we're specifically talking about money right here there's a book that i'm going to recommend it's called business of the 21st century and it's a uh, it's a Kiyosaki book. Okay, Robert Kiyosaki, yeah. I think he wrote it in 11, where he talks about when you're looking at... They're playing a video game. Hold on. A <laughs> uh, that's great. You got to love gotta love kids. They, uh, they, they really love to get into what they're doing in life. I, I'm not sure how or where we as adults lose that passion for life that kids have. Like, where does that go away? That's the, that's, <laughs> I think it's the, the disappointments that we endure over time. Mm. Uh, the too many no's, too many, you can't do that. It's too many. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not brave enough to do whatever it is that you're wanting to do. And so I think we get beat down over the years, kind of beaten into submission as in, you know, this is the level of life that you can really enjoy because this is just where you're at because of either your emotional state, your circumstances, your environment. There's lots of different things that beat us down over the years. But if we could get back to that, that passion for life, that love of the simple things, it's just, I really feel like life would be so much better. 
Mm-hmm. I have a question I want to bring up here. And if you want to think about it for a second and speak to it later, it says, because of my line of career as a veteran and correctional officer, our average lifespan after retirement is 18 to 36 months. Should I live more comfortably now in the moment, making memories with my two kids I have full custody of? And I don't know if, if you have anything to say to that. I'm not sure who that is. Um, over on Facebook, if you hit allow StreamYard, there's, there's a way you can do that to allow your name to show up in StreamYard. So I can't tell who is commenting or you can just post your name in, in there. As an, as an older guy, now you say you have younger kids or the, the, watcher, the listener or the watcher has younger kids. You spend every moment that you can with those kids because they're, when they're young, they're most impressionable. And you are their biggest hero whenever they're young, whenever they're super young. And you have the opportunity to pour into them all the, 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 the love and hope and aspiration and inspiration that you can. That's just something that I practice with my kids. If I'm working or doing something or focusing on, like I said, I've got a couple of different projects that I'm working on. If I'm working and one of my kids says, Dad, can you come play hide and seek? You want to play The Floor is Lava? Whatever I'm doing, I pause and I'll go and I'll play with them for a little bit because whatever my project is that I'm working on, that can wait. But they're going to grow up. They're going to grow up so fast. I have a 24-year-old and I still remember holding her when she was three months like like it was yesterday. I can Mm -hmm. see So don't don't let that time run away from you. I, I would say spend time, spend time with your kids. But on the other side, whenever you're trying to, you, you want to make sure that you're building something for them, not just, you know, the, the pouring into them and, and spending the time with them. But whenever you're working, work. But if you're around your kids, be around your kids, be present. So I don't yeah. know if that answers your, your question, but if it doesn't, ask another one and I'll be happy to try to help. Yeah. He just commented his name. It's a buddy of mine that I grew up with years ago. We haven't seen each other for the last few years, but still, still got that little connection, but he's, uh, I know, I know he's gone through some things, having come through some of the same situations you did. And, um, yeah, it's, I don't, I don't understand it, but I, I have quite a few friends who've gone through it and, and I definitely empathize or sympathize with, with that. So it's, I always like making those connections for people that can help each other out. Right. If, if, if I'm speaking to the PTSD side, I would say get, get help. Get help and don't be ashamed of the way that you feel because you, you are feeling normal human feelings. The way that it was explained to me is that when we're put in those situations, we're, we have to turn off our emotions. We have to turn off our, our feelings so that we can get through the experience because there are some people that can't handle that type of thing and they break down and, and they become victims. But yeah, Marines, we, we run in, we were the, the bullets are coming this way. We're going towards the bullets. That's just the way that we're trained. That's the way that we, that's the way that we see life, but we're still human beings. So when all of, when, when it's all done, that's when we start processing what's actually happened. And that's when it starts to impact us. So if you yeah. are struggling with PTSD, go get help. If it's if it's you know if it, if you're a police officer or something and it happened out out in the field, you know go see your psychiatrist if that's what you if that's what you have access to. If you are if you're a service member, go to the VA. 
be a hundred percent honest. Said, this is how I feel. This is what's going on. I need help. They, they have to help you. It's in your contract. It's in your contract. They, they have to help you. You said, I will go and fight in this other country for dirt. You know, you're going to pay me a, just a couple of bucks. I will risk my life in this other country in service to my country in the contract. It says, when you get back, we will take care of you in way fancier words. That's what it says. Mm-hmm. And so go to the VA, keep fighting and get the help that you need. Because if, if I would hate to read a story where another one of my brothers lost the fight, you know, yep. that bugs yeah. me. So go get yeah, the help. It's, it's, it's tough. It's, it is. Uh, he clarified his question. Um, and I love what you said there, but he clarified um, his question. It was more trying to save money for the future versus living a good life with his kids now. Like where's the balance and, and how do you do that? He's a single dad with two kids. Okay. And so asking about that balance there. The simple answer is kids don't care about stuff. You could, one of my, one of my, and my kids favorite things to do. And I, like I said, I can only say, I can only speak from my experience. My kid loves cardboard boxes. <laughs> cardboard boxes. We can we could buy her a super expensive thing that came in a cardboard box. She'll take the thing out and draw on, cut up, make designs out of the cardboard box. So the, the idea that I want to get across to you is that it doesn't matter what you're doing with your kids as long as you're doing something with your kids. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be expensive. Ice cream's only a couple bucks. Taking them to the park is absolutely free in most places that I know about. You know, it doesn't. It's not about. I think the. I think the question is: is is do I spend the money on my kids or do I spend it building something? I say do both. Just set aside some of the money that you would be spending on the child, and understand that you could take that money and build something that they could benefit from in 20 years when they really need it, when yeah. they're starting their life, when they're, they need to buy that first car, when they need to buy their first house because they just started their family. That's some, a lot of people don't think 5, 10, 15, 20 years down the road. They're just thinking about right now. It's okay to think of both, but don't let it weigh you down. Don't let it get too heavy. Like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking care of my family. I don't have anything for them. I just started last year. I'm 44 now. I just started last year, and I still have enough time to build something that they're going to be proud of, that they're going to be able to use in their teens and their 20s, you know, for the rest of their life. But it's all about understanding that you got to start now, and you've got to be consistent with the things that you're doing. And I, mm-hmm. there, I'm gonna, I'm probably gonna come out with like a course or something on how to do some of this stuff, but. If you, if you want help, if you want coaching or if you want, you know, something along those lines, I can, I'll probably put something together just because Ken knows a lot of people. And if I can help people, I'll put something together. for them. Absolutely. Thanks for that. And I'll go ahead. But no, I was just, I hope that answers your question better than yeah. the first part. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and kids are like, I don't have any kids of my own, but I've, I've worked with a lot of kids, spent a lot of time with lots of different kids. They are the ultimate experience junkies. Like 
You don't have to spend a lot of money on them. They just want to do things and have you spend devoted time with them. Like even, even kids that are not my kids, they, all they want is quality. That's, that's the experience that I've had with any kid I've ever interacted with. If you take time devoted to them, that's like, that, that puts them on cloud nine. Like it really does because it, it validates them. It makes them feel appreciated, recognized, wanted, loved, you know, and it doesn't take a lot to do that. Listen to their story. Join in on their their fun. Whatever game they've invented, play along. Don't try to break their rules. Don't try to bring your own rules into the game. Mm-hmm. Let it be their game, and you play by their rules. They will they will appreciate it beyond words. Yep. I don't know if you can see the comments over there. He said he answered both both of his issues with your answer. So with the money and the PTSD. So awesome. Glad for that. So uh, moving on to the. You talked about or a little bit about adding value to yourself. What are some of the ways that you found most effective? Like say somebody is just starting out and doesn't have a lot of money, maybe back where you were when you first started on the journey, what was some of the things that you did to add value to yourself so that you could start earning more money? Um, man, where do I start? <laughs> I would say the, the first steps that I did was listening to podcasts. Mm. Yes. That's great. <laughs> and then go. You can't. You can't see her. Hey, see. buddy. She just took a shower. Hi. Oh, hey, girl. How are you? Okay, boy. That's on the phone. <laughs> um, simple stuff. The free stuff. Um, podcasts, YouTube videos, anything that's going to pour a little bit of value into you. Until you find something that really sticks, something that really says, mm. I want to learn more about that. Then you go get, no, she didn't. I'm on a, I'm on a call. So, yeah. do, you have, do you have any recommendations there? I know you mentioned um, that uh, Business in the 21st Century as a book. What do you, what kind of podcast do you recommend? Probably yeah. the three or four that have been most impactful for me is Les Brown. He's awesome. Um, Anthony Robbins. Jim Rohn. Mm, he's got a lot of good ideas. I love him. Brian Tracy's really good. Zig Ziglar's really good. But, I mean, the, I recommend going and, and listening to a lot of them and finding the one that's, that really resonates with you. Jim Rohn, me and this guy. And then John Maxwell, obviously, because he's one of my heroes. Yeah. Yep. Jesse, uh, you asked about on the other platform. I'm guessing you mean on YouTube. Uh, search for Empowering Forward Momentum. Or if you go to my personal Facebook page, there will be a link in one of the posts there where I talked about this live stream. So you can find the link to, to the YouTube stream. So how do I get to, once we've gone through the investment, we've become somebody who can add more value to other people and start earning a little more money. How do we get to where we can keep more of it? Because I know for myself, I struggle with lifestyle creep. You know, you start making a little bit more. It's like, now I can afford the thing. And and you start adding the things and you still end up with the same amount of money at the end of the month. None. It's How do you get to where you can keep none? That? I like that. No. <laughs> um, there's a concept. What is it called? I just had it in my head. I was ready to tell you and I just 
<laughs> Don't you hate that? I do that too. <laughs> well, what it, it's it's keeping yourself from doing something that you want until you have enough to get what it is you want. What is it called? Man, I'm going to think of it and then I'll 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 get it to you. But what it really is is that right now you can afford everything that you that that you need, right? Yep. So when you create the new stream of income, don't treat it like income. Treat it like you don't have it. Put it into an asset gotcha. or, develop, or, or start a, a business. Start a business and pour that money into the business and have the business make more money and then keep that money in the business. Don't take any out. Keep pouring the money back into the business so that it keeps getting bigger and bigger. And there's, there's ways that I can show you how to do that, but I, I don't have time to go into it now. And then once you have the business on autopilot, you can pour the money from the business into an asset. And then the asset keeps growing. So the money, you're, you're still living a good lifestyle. You're still living good. You just don't pretend you don't have that money yet until it becomes a, a nice, solid level. And the business is growing at a level where you're like, okay, now I can start enjoying some of the money. The problem mm-hmm. with starting businesses is they have, there's a, there's a principle. Ah, man, I can't remember the name. It's in a book. I'll figure out and I'll, I'll send it to you. But I'm not the, talking about like the 80, 20 rule or something to, or no, that's a good, that's a, the Pareto principle, which yeah. is a very good one to, that applies to a whole lot of life too. But this one is a principle that pretty much talks about if you have money in your pocket, you're going to spend it. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't matter if you make more money, if it's in your pocket, you're going to spend it. So you yeah. never have money. So the way to, to defeat that, the way to break that cycle is to pretend that you don't have the money. You make the money, you make the money and then you set it aside. I don't have that money. That's not mine. That's my business's money. Right. Until you hit a level where you can start paying yourself. Don't pay yourself for at least a year, at least a year. People are like, oh, a year. Imagine what you could do with the money that you save over a year. You're already comfortable where you're at. Unless you're in a a position where you're really struggling, that's when you got to go back to the budgeting. But when you're at the level that we're talking about, you're good. Your bills are paid. You're not struggling. You're you're just fine. So take the extra money that you've got. Go start the business and then let the business build. Build the business. Build the business for at least a year. And then once the business is, is running on autopilot, the money that the business makes, pour that into an asset. And then keep that circle going. Keep that circle going. Yeah, gotcha. I, I hear... Um, a lot of people that talk about, you know, wanting to invest, wanting to build um, a little income portfolio or starting something. And, and they say they have 500, 1,000 or even up to 10,000 to invest. And and people think that they, they're going to, you know, save their way to, to wealth in, in the future. If you've got 1,000 to 10,000 to invest, you know, most people I talk to say, invest into yourself and your knowledge, your education and all of those things. Where is that, that kind of where you go with that? Yes. Jim Rohn talks about uh, a system of building wealth where it's a, it's a 70, 10, 10. Have you ever heard of this? Uh, it sounds familiar, but no, go into it. Okay, so what he talks about is that if you could teach yourself to, to live off of 70% of your income, the other 30% goes to three different areas. The first is personal growth. It is, it is adding value to yourself. The second area is giving, charitable giving. That's another 10%. 
Doesn't matter where you give it, you've got to give it. Because that's that teaches you how to be giving whenever you don't have a whole lot of money. Because it's easy mm. to say, if I'm a millionaire, yeah, I'll give 10% of that. 10% of a million's $100,000, right? I don't know anybody that's willing to part with $100,000. Their <laughs> mindset is still, I've only, got, I've only got a little bit of money. But when you yeah. teach yourself how to give when you don't have much, it's easier when you have more to give, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah and then it the, does. The, the third 10% is, is money that you set aside for an opportunity. Uh, uh, an opportunity to invest money, to gotcha. lend out the money so that you're getting a return on the money. So that was, that's Jim Rohn's and I'm, I'm following that one because it, it makes sense. And the great yeah, thing like is that. he said, I've implemented this for years. And he said, I'm now at a point in my life where I spend 10% or I, I live off of 10% of my money and I give away the rest. How wow. awesome would it be able to? Would, would that not be awesome? Would, right? If I could sit there and write a check for you know a hundred thousand dollars, I'm like, oh, here, I make plenty of money. You know what I mean? To be yeah, able to do the community, to build the church, to build the school, mm -hmm. you know, but you have to put the work in. You have to build yourself up to a level where you have the opportunity to do that kind of that kind of giving. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I might step on some toes here or or get into um might stir up a little bit of controversy here, but how do you feel about people almost glorifying poverty, you know, because it's, it's the Christian thing to do. Like, I, okay. Let, let, me, <laughs> let me, let me just touch on that just a little bit. And it's probably going to step on some toes too, but it's, it's in the Bible. It's, it's uh, money. The, what is it? Money is the root of all evil, right? The, the love of money. It's the love of money. It's uh -huh. when people get it mixed up is that they think that money is the root of all evil. It's the love of money. Money is a tool. That's all it is. If you sat $1,000 on your desk, it's not going to do anything but sit right there on that desk. It cannot do anything unless someone puts that money to work or spends it. Mm -hmm. It can't do anything unless you use it. It's a tool just like a hammer. You can build stuff with it or you can destroy it with it. Yep. It's a tool. It's all in how you use it. So if you're able to make a lot of money, imagine what good you could do with it. Now, on the on the opposite end of that, if your character is sour and bad, if you're a bad person and you have a lot of money, you're just going to do a lot of bad things. If you're a good person, you can do a lot of good things with money. So there's to make the tool evil is not doesn't make sense. Right. Like, That's a bad hammer over there. <laughs> You're yeah. that hammer over there. It's a bad hammer. The, the, the tools magnify who you are as a person. Exactly. You know, you can, you can give somebody that's destructive a foam hammer and they're not going to destroy much, but if you give they're them a wrecking smart. ball, yeah, <laughs> you give them a wrecking ball, you know, they can wreak havoc. So <clears throat> the bigger the tool or the bigger the money, the, the more it magnifies who you are as a person. So if, like you said, if you're a decent person, you'll, you can do good with it. Now that that's where I go with that. I, I hate, I, I, I really don't like when I see people kind of spouting or promoting that attitude of, of the money is evil. When think of all the good that you can do. Like, you know, if, if you think that having money is evil, that's an attitude problem for you is because maybe, maybe you don't think you can handle it, but the people that 
can handle the people that have allowed themselves to be used by God in the right way. You know, they're, they're given all of that to help other people. Exactly. That. That's, exactly. that's where I go with it. And that's sometimes people are raised with that, with that belief system that money is the root of all evil, that money's bad. So having too much of it is going to cause a stigma. People aren't going to like you because you have too much money. I don't know anybody that has ever been mad at someone for giving them something that they need or helping them out. Nobody said, Oh, don't give me your money. It's you're rich. No one that's <laughs> ever that was receiving money or receiving something that was given to them that was really going to help them was, was mad at the person for help for, you know, for them helping them. I've never seen it. So I don't see how it's a bad thing to help people to, to develop yourself to a level to where you are capable of, of giving that type of, of help to the community or to, to, like I said, building something that other people can benefit from. Mm-hmm. Yep. It, it just increases the, the impact that you have the capability to do. Exactly. So we've talked about keeping more of the money. Um, talked a little bit about investing the money. Do you want to go a little bit more into, into kind of areas to, to invest in? We've talked a little about that. Look, the first area you're going to want is to invest in yourself. That's why I really recommend that book because the book is based on the, the concept is if I'm going to start a business, what kind of business do I want to start? And so he goes into different industries. Um, I think he, re- he really focuses on direct sales. I think it's direct sales. Because the, the business is already built for you. Right. All, okay. Because you're not, you're, not, you're not having to build all levels of the business. All you've got to do is go out there and sell. You've already got the products. You've already got the logistics. You've already got the how the how how you're going to receive money, how you're going to get paid, all that. All the business part of it's done. All you have to do is go out there and run the business. And so that's why he talks about direct sales. But I really like it because in any business that you're going to build, you're going to have, you're going to have to have like a base set of skills. You're going to have to be able to communicate with people. You're going to have to have you're going to have to be able be able to to be productive. You're going to have you're going to have to have all of these. I don't know if you call them, I think they're called soft skills. You're going to have to yeah. have this foundation of soft skills before you can ever even consider really building a business. So the reason I like the direct sales industry is because it teaches you how to run a business before you have to go out and build a business. And so that's why I really like that book because it, it gives you like a business school experience for the least amount of money. Instead of going and spending four years in a college on a degree. Now I'm not dogging college. I'm sure it's great, but going out, yeah. going out there, <laughs> I'll dog it. <laughs> spending $80,000 for a piece of paper that you may never use. You know what I mean? Cause my cousin, mm-hmm. my cousin's got a, a master's in criminal justice and he's a, he's a UPS guy because their <laughs> pay structure is so much better than being a, pro, a parole officer. Yeah. So he spent six years, six years of his life getting a piece of paper that he doesn't use. Wow. I'm like, man, if you could dedicate two years to learning business, really learning business you know, in something simple like direct sales and then applying those principles that you learned in something small that was very inexpensive to start into something bigger, something that you're really passionate about, why would you not? You will get way more value out of it. Yeah. For sure. If you want to go to college, go to college, you know, if that's your thing. I just know that it it only took me six months to really understand the principles of building a business. And so now I have two, 
two, three businesses, and I'm starting the assets side. So, That's awesome. It's just going to keep going. It's I don't I I sleep better at night. I don't not stressed anymore. I spend time with my kids whenever I feel like it. You know, I wake up, work out, and then I start doing work. But because I mm-hmm. built I built those habits. I can I work from home because it's better for my PTSD. And so I work for a couple of hours. I'll go run some errands. I work for a couple of hours and that's it. That's it. That's awesome. That's the life, man. I'm not out in the field for 10, 12 hours coming home and not having the energy to spend any time with my family. It's Mm -hmm. work life balance, work life balance. If you're spending all that time out in the work area and not taking care of the things that really need taken care of, you're missing out on your children growing up, man. I mean, they've, my kids are already six, seven, and eight. Six, seven, and nine. Man, I'm old. I can't remember. <laughs> but if I was if I was living life the way that I was a couple of years back, when everything was great, I would have been missing out on all the the experiences that I've had for the last year. So I wouldn't trade it for the world. Yeah, that's great. That's I, I love hearing when people say that. You know, if you when you reach reach that goal that you wanted and, and you have the life that, that you just love living, love waking up every day and, and going and doing the thing. Seriously. That's, that's fantastic. So before you get there, you know, if somebody's got debt, what's, what's the, we, I guess we kind of covered that budgeting and, and um, you know, getting out of the debt is, is there more to it than running a budget? It's, it's as simple as stop spending money. It is as simple as stop spending money. It's the and that goes back to the relationship that you have with money. What are you using it for? Are you using it? Are you spending your money on things to make you feel good, to make you look like you have money? Are you dressing nice and have the great car, but you don't have food to put on your table? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Are you are you spending money to make yourself feel better? Like, oh well, I do have money, so I'm gonna buy you know, everybody at the bar around the drinks to make them think that I have money, but then I'm going to go home and not going to be able to pay my bills because I did that to make myself look good in that moment. If you can right. humble yourself, really humble yourself and say, okay, I'm in a pickle. I'm in a spot. I'm at a, a place in my life where I'm, I'm really hurting. You got to evaluate the way that you live and make those changes and to make those adaptations. And then you really see, I really don't need all that other stuff. I don't need that extra stuff. I don't need to go out to eat all the time. Maybe I spend some time with my family, you know, cooking a meal. That's two birds with one stone. You're present and then you're eating healthier and then you're saving money. That's three. Yeah. That's, that's a tough thing to do is to, to actually admit that, you know what? I I can't just go buy everything I want to buy. And I mean, it's a, it's a tough place to be. I mean, I, I've, go up and down, you know, through those areas where I'm like, you know, okay, we're doing pretty good. And then back, you know, okay, things didn't go as planned. And now, now let's tighten the belts a little bit and eat rice and beans for a month. <laughs> and that's, that's sometimes that's the, the thing that you've got to do. But if yeah. you can get to a point in your life where you've got that balance where you're like, okay, I know I'm, we're doing good. I don't need that thing that I've been wanting. It's, ah, I almost had that phrase again. Dang it. <laughs> it, it'll maybe come to you. It, it will. It almost did, and I almost spat it out, but I, 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 uh, I got it in that moment. Maybe, maybe that's a an age thing. I don't know because I, I get that too. I'll be talking, and 
I'll be thinking of something before I say it. And when I go to say it, it's like gone, gone. I got it. <laughs> delayed gratification. Ah, delayed That's gratification. Delayed gratification. Because we're, we live in a world where it's so easy to get anything we want whenever we want at the drop of a hat. If you can practice delayed gratification and say, I want it, but I'm not going to get it right now. I'm going to put that the money that I was going to buy that with over to where somewhere I know I'm going to put that money to work. And if you can mm-hmm. if you can practice that enough, then you're going to build that 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 money in that business or in that investment to where it's it's 10, 20 times what it was before. Then you can get the really nice thing instead of, you know, taking the weekend trip, you know, to to a close by town. You take that big trip to Venice. There you, you know, go. The, the wife, because my wife really wants to go to Venice. So we're going to go to Venice. But I, I've positioned myself to where like, okay, we're not going to take the little trips. We're going to take the big one. Delayed gratification. That's what I've been digging for. Thank you. you <laughs> That's a, that is a tough thing to do though, is to, you know, I want this thing. I'm right here. I have the $10 that it takes to get it. It's only $10, but wow. it's only $10 a thousand times and you've got ten thousand dollars <laughs> exactly exactly yep it, it adds up i just i just saw a thing the other day somebody saying that you know the, the poor look at you know poor people that stay poor they say well it's only a dollar i'm gonna buy the pack of gum and the people that have money are like no it's a dollar and because they keep that dollar that their dollars keep adding up next thing you know they've got a wad of dollars in their pocket because they have not been spending the, all those dollars right and it, it compounds that's exactly right. it that's it that that word right there compound interest is the most powerful force when it comes to finance mm-hmm. the most powerful force yeah. uninterrupted compound interest is mm-hmm. exactly the that's how i'm building the asset but i'm not going to go into that but if you want to to mm-hmm. really understand it Look up uninterrupted compound interest. Okay. All right. I'll put that down. What what books are, do you recommend other than that business in the 21st century? Or do you have any courses that you recommend along with that? Um, well, the, the course that really got me on track for being productive was Insane Productivity by Darren Hardy. And then he's got a, a book that I just read a, a month or two ago called uh, The Entrepreneurial Roller Coaster. Okay. You said Insane Productivity? Insane Productivity, yes. That one's awesome. It's really awesome. You got to digest it, though, because it's a lot yeah. of like, a lot of great. What, what was his name? Darren Hardy. Darren Hardy and the book. And uh, he does. he did the course, and his, the book is called the entrepreneurial roller coaster. Entrepreneurial. I hate spelling that word. Yeah. <laughs> I just do E and T. And then there's another book. I know I got, I read tons of books. There's another book. If you're really looking at, if you're in a position where you can put it, you put away a little bit of money and you want to start making that money grow. Um, it's called becoming your own banker. Mm. I think it's Nash. last name's Nash becoming your own banker. I have that here somewhere. <laughs> yeah. That no. that book was like, oh my God. And that really opens your eyes to uh how how money works. It's yeah. it's it's interesting. It makes you 
think about the system and we're not going to dive into all of that. It makes you angry. <laughs> it does. It, it does. Especially if, well, I've started, I've started, if you, if you read the book and he talks about getting started. So I've started that process. So we're going to see how, yeah, that okay. out. and then here in a couple of months, I'll get back to you. And I'm like, okay, this is what we're doing. If it worked or if it didn't. Yeah. Awesome. All right, cool. Becoming your own baker. I can't remember his first name either. Something Nash. You're right on that. Nelson so, Nelson Nash. Nelson Nash. There you go. That's what it is. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I think you're right. I think you're right. I think that's it. I don't have Sounds right anyway. <laughs> what, uh, like how, you talked a couple of times about maybe helping people out that are getting started in this. Do you have a course or a program? I'm building one. You're building one? Okay. I'm building one. And it's going to be really, really cheap because I really want people to get the information. Because yeah. I feel like I'm a, I'm kind of in the beginning stages. And if I can start to push this information out while I'm in the beginning stages, I'll be able to in- inspire people to get started, just to get started. Yeah. Because that's really the hard, that first step is the hard part. And it I'm is. taking it. I've taken it and I'm starting to see growth. So I'm like, okay. I need to tell everybody how to take that first step because once you get past that first step, step outside of your comfort zone and you start to see the potential and start to experience the potential. Like, man, this is awesome. I got to share it with the world. Mm -hmm. And you have to to do that. That's awesome. Absolutely. Well, yeah. Um, Anything else you want to share before we wrap it up or, I mean, yeah. Where can people find you and connect with you? Um, well, I'm on Facebook, David Vargas. This face is the, <laughs> the front, the front deal. I've got a, a couple of different pages, but if, if you just want to get a hold of me and visit with me about what we've talked about here, I'm happy to have a conversation and then you can pass on my contact information to anybody yeah. if they look for it, if they need to get a hold of me. All right. Do you, I'm not going to drop it in the show notes because you'll get spammed probably. So well, uh, if, if somebody wants to connect with you, they can reach out to one of us and, and absolutely. And I'll, I'm like I said, I'm, I'm an open book. I'm happy to have a conversation with anybody that's, that's ready to move forward on something. Awesome. Cool. Well, David, I, this has been a lot of fun. I'm, I'm glad you joined me this evening and hopefully we can do this again in the future. Sure. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. You bet. All right.